of days. Um, last night I, I uh, mentioned at our men's study that I was concerned with Lisa. I think I, I, in our prayer group a while back I, I did it um, that they had, they had noticed um, a buildup of fluid where her spinal cord injury was 43 years ago or whatever. And so her doctors thought that she's going to have to go in and they're going to have to maybe put a shunt in and drain the fluid. And then looking into this more, we see the, the dangers of the whole thing and how that she could possibly lose the sensation and feeling that she has already. It might not, not come back, and, and, but then not doing anything might, might make it worse. And, and so, you know, I've been, we've been praying and just seeking the Lord. And so we had the appointment with the neurosurgeon this morning, and, and they, he said, we don't need to touch it. Just we leave it alone, and and uh, that uh, it's it's you know if if it does get worse, you'll know that it gets worse. But uh, you know, just leave it alone. You're going to be fine. It, it, it's not worth doing anything to it right now. So I was just praise the Lord. That was awesome, and so it was a good morning. And uh, but then uh, then I had stomach problems all day today, and so I I, uh, I thought I don't know. I started looking at videos to share with you guys tonight. What video can I find this? And I thought I don't know if I can do this or not. And then I thought, okay, well maybe I'll start the study, then I'll say I'll be right back and I'll come back and finish it in a few minutes. And and you know how that is can be sometimes. And so, um, but uh, we're only going to do chapter two tonight, uh, just in case I have to leave early. Um, <laughs> just chapter two and and. Uh, um, uh, of, of Ruth, and so um, we might get done a little bit early, but that's okay. We can hang around in fellowship. So uh, let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Father, thank you for this time tonight, Lord, for your grace. Lord, I, I preparing for this study, I, I just see, uh, Lord, how much grace you've poured out on me, on my family, uh, in our lives together. Uh, Lord, I, I just praise you for that. Lord, I praise you for this time that we could gather together and worship you in, in song, Lord, and just sing out our praises to you and how great you are and worthy of all our praise. And, and Lord, that is just a, a blessing to us to be able to thank you and worship you for all you've done for us. It's a blessing for us, Lord, to gather together and to open up your word, knowing that your Holy Spirit is here to teach us the truths that are found in your word, Lord, that would touch our hearts, change our hearts, draw us closer into our relationship with you. We thank you for just your spirit working in our lives and drawing us to you, Lord God. We pray that you'd bless our night together, bless the kids downstairs as they are being ministered to, Lord, through your word. Bless the teachers downstairs as well. We uh, commit our time to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I read a story about uh, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, he was a United States ambassador to France. He occasionally attended what's called the Infidels Club, which was a group that spent most of its time searching and, and reading literary masterpieces. On one occasion, Franklin read the book of Ruth to the club when it was gathered together, but he changed the names in it so that they wouldn't recognize it, that there was a book out of the Bible. When he finished, they were unanimous in their praise. They said, it is one of the most beautiful short stories they have ever heard and demanded that he tell them where he had run across such a remarkable literary masterpiece. Well, it was his great delight to tell them it was from the Bible, which they, you know, professed to regard with scorn and derision and in which they felt there was nothing good out of it. 
But certainly the book of Ruth is a literary, literary masterpiece. It's a beautiful story of romance. I'm sure it would do well in the movies today. You know, it would be one up there with all the other chick flicks as we talked about last week together, you know. I think it would be a, a title, Ruth, with a subtitle, How One Woman Found Happiness in the Arms of a Second Husband. Now, maybe, you know, maybe it's a, you know, it'd be one of those hallmark stories, you know, you see around Christmas time and all the same actors over and over again, but, but it's just this filled with this love and romance. But even though it's a beautiful story in and of itself, it's a story behind the story that brings so much meaning and significance that, that, that's simply fascinating. Because the book of Ruth is one of those Old Testament, beautiful Old Testament pictures that is designed by God himself to illustrate the dramatic truths of of the Christian faith as found in the New Testament. It's a word picture in the Old Testament used to illustrate the truth we find in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11 tells us, All these events happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the time when this age is drawing to a close. These things are written down as examples to us to, to see. Now, the story really began when Naomi's husband died, as well as her, her two sons died. Uh, the sons were married to a Moabite woman, Orpah and Ruth. They, they were living in, in Moab. And, and now, so with these three widows living in the land of Moab, we read last time that Naomi decided to return to her home, Bethlehem, in Judah. Uh, Orpah's, Orpah's heart was really not in the journey. She wanted to stay in Moab. So Naomi kissed Dorpah Winfrey goodbye and, and, and sent her back home. Naomi then said to Ruth, do you want to go back also? To which Ruth said those wonderful words that we often hear a bride saying to her groom in a wedding ceremony, standing at the altar together. Ruth 1.16, I will not leave you or turn back from following after you for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. So they make it back to Bethlehem, and, and when the woman of Bethlehem recognized Naomi, they said, oh, is this Naomi? But Naomi doesn't, you know, say, no. she says, no, don't, don't call me Naomi or sweetness any longer. Call me Mara, bitterness, because what, what God has done to me. Then she said this in verse 21, I won out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? She thought that when she left 10 years ago that she was empty. She thought, well, we don't have any bread, so let's just leave the house of bread, Bethlehem, the the place of praise, Judah, and let's leave and go to Moab. She thought that she was empty. But then 10 years later, she says, I had everything back then and didn't know it. I didn't realize that I had a husband, I had two sons, and I had so much, but yet didn't see it because I was concentrating on what I didn't have. I didn't have bread. Rather than focusing what, on what I did have, I, I had a family. I mean, what a familiar story. So often we are so concerned about what we don't have that we don't really realize all the things that God has really blessed us with. I mean, we are, are, are so full and richly and incredibly blessed and it's often that until we lose something that we realize just how blessed we really were. Even though there's a lot of anxieties and struggles in our day, but the, the, there's also, a, a, you know... They pale in comparison to the blessings that surround us presently. God has richly blessed us as a nation. 
but also the blessings that comes as Christian living in the United States. And we see all this stuff going on in, in, in the United States right now. We go, oh man, this is horrible. Man, we're blessed to live in, in, in the United States. We really don't experience a physical persecution for being a believer as of yet. We were blessed. Now, Naomi didn't realize that at the time when she left Bethlehem, Judah, but 10 years later, uh, she did. She said she was so full then. But Naomi misunderstood understood the Lord when she said in chapter 1, verse 21, the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. What poor Naomi doesn't understand, if the Lord was really truly afflicting her because of her sin, then she'd be dead. She'd be gone. There'd be no book of Ruth. And I know that sometimes in our own lives, we can feel that same way. Oh, God is judging me. But there's no way. How could he judge you and I severely enough? I mean, if you think that, that you're being judged, then listen, if we got what we truly deserve, none of us would be sitting here tonight at all. But you see what is happening here with Ruth and what happens with us is that when things start to look grim and bad, we think, oh, God is judging me. God, God's mad at me. This is awful. That's not the case. Naomi wanted away. And she's facing repercussions of that. But God wasn't afflicted. God has got a great plan for her. And the same thing happens in our lives as well. When we wander away from God's truth or God's will, we'll, we'll reap the repercussions of that. But we shouldn't blame God for it. We did it ourselves by not walking in the Spirit. But the great thing is that, that God can take uh, our mess-ups and the mess we get ourselves into and He can turn it around for good. And, and in Naomi's life, God is, is up to something big that Naomi doesn't even have a clue yet. Just like you and I. You know, God's about to do something great and we don't even have a clue. But it happens. Look, look at, at finally verse 22 of chapter 1. We read there. So Naomi returned and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Now the beginning of barley harvest was also the beginning of what is called the Feast of the First Fruits. Let me explain something that goes along with, with, the, with the feast here. Each year as a grain was just beginning to produce the heads of grain, the priest or the, or the priestly uh, heads of the families would go into the fields first, followed by a procession of very excited children, and they would search among the stalks to see the first fruits, you know, the first buddings, if, if you would, only to find that the, the, the finest heads of grain, you know, you would re- receive that designation. And when they discovered them, the priest or, or, or the father would take a scarlet ribbon and tie it around the chosen stalks, and then he would shout loudly, Behold the first fruits! Now the scarlet ribbon remained on the stalks until the entire crop was ready for harvesting. And then right before the actual harvest began, the priests and the fathers returned to the fields with great celebration and they would gather the first fruits. Then they would take it and, and, and brought it into the temple and presented it before God as a grain offering for thanksgiving and acknowledging God's faithful provision for the entire harvest. What a great picture that is of believers in Christ. Paul said this in Romans eight twenty nine. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. James adds, James adds this in chapter 1 of verse 18. He says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Same way, God sent his Spirit to mark those that are firstfruits that have, have responded to the gospel. And he identifies us fills us with the Holy Spirit as first fruits, holy and dedicated to the Lord. And all of heaven waits for that final harvest when we get to go to heaven to be with the Lord, when he, he, he gathers us together to be with the Lord. Now, 
There's another picture here as well. We'll see of Ruth being a picture of the church. And, and a man named Boaz is a picture of Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 2. There's a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So three things we see about Boaz that is a picture of Jesus Christ. Three things about Boaz match Jesus Christ. Number one, he's a man of great wealth. So I said, was Jesus wealthy? Well, in the sense that Psalm 50 verse 10 says, for every beast of the forest is mine and a cattle on a thousand hills. Number two, we know just as Boaz is from Bethlehem, according to Matthew 2.1, Jesus was also from Bethlehem. And number three, and, and then we'll see this eventually in our study of Ruth, Boaz is a kinsman redeemer, just as Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says this, that our great, and 14 says, that our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So we see Boaz as a picture of Jesus Christ. Now, Boaz is here doing this harvest thing there in Bethlehem, and Ruth the Moabitess then says to Naomi, look at verse 2, so Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may, may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Now, there's a passage in Leviticus that talks about during harvest season that the poor were to be taken care of by simple means. It says in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9 and 10, it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field to its very border, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You see, the guys that were harvesting the, the, the grain, they were to leave the edges and the corners of the field, don't touch them, so that the poor could go out to the corners or the edges so they could actually glean it for themselves. I like that. It's a good form of welfare because it actually keeps you know, the dignity intact of those who need help by allowing them to actually do work for themselves. And yet it provided for them when they have no other means of support. I wish we had that today. So the corners and the edges of the field were to be left for the poor and the widows. Now, Naomi obviously informed Ruth of this law, and so they walked together down the road towards Bethlehem, and now Ruth says to her mother-in-law, hey, let me go down and do what the law says, you know, what I'm allowed to do. Verse 3. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. Now, not only were the corners not allowed to be touched, but once the reapers went through the first time, they couldn't go back the second time. So whatever they missed the first time, that was open as well and available to those in need. So Ruth goes into the fields after the reapers, and, this, and, and it says it just so happened in verse 3, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was a family of Elimelech. Let me say that nothing just so happens. God is at work. God has got a plan. So Ruth just happens to go to the field belonging to Boaz. See, Ruth is a great picture of you and me. We're, we're the bride of Christ. We're lost, we're, we're, we're poor, we're hungry, and it just so happened that we found ourselves in his field one day. Maybe someone invited you to church. Maybe someone walked up to you, you know, the, the GO team downtown in the middle of the square and, and started sharing with you. And whatever it was that took place in your life, uh, it just didn't so happen. It was God's plan, his master plan. God sent people your way and allowed you to come into contact with Boaz, our wealthy kinsman, Redeemer, Jesus Christ. 
Stephen? How did it, it just happen to you? I think one of the exciting things when we get to heaven, when we can all sit around and, and talk about our testimony, talk about how, how God opened our eyes and how we came to faith in Christ. Um, I, I mean, how many times have you thought something just happened by accident and then when you discovered that, you know, this is a divine appointment. God's hand was in us all, all along the way. I think of Zacchaeus. You remember his story? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he, you know, one up in the sycamore tree. He just so happened to be in the very tree, just so happened to be the very tree that, that, that Jesus, you know, looked up and saw him there and called him by name and told him to come down. It just didn't so happen. Jesus knew his name. He knew where Zacchaeus was going to be, and, and he was there by divine appointment. I think about the woman of Samaria that, that came to the well. She just so happened to show up at noon to get some water at the well and only to find Jesus sitting there. Just so happened. Always a divine appointment. How about Nick at night? Nicodemus came at night. He just happened to find the Lord Jesus still up, probably surprised to find him there, not realizing that the Lord knew that he was coming, waiting for him, just so he can uh, have this divine appointment. So here we read that it just so happened that Ruth found herself there in Boaz's field. God's divine appointment. Verse 4, Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. How would you like to go to work and your boss come up to you and say, The Lord be with you. That would be great. Verse 4, And they answered, The Lord bless you. I mean, how would you like that? You go to work and the Lord be with you. Well, the Lord bless you as well. He said, Well, you don't know my boss. He wouldn't say that. Well, give it a try. Who knows? You go first. Verse 5, then Boaz said to his servant, Who was in charge of the reapers? Whose young woman is this? See, as Boaz is looking around, he sees the usual people, the woman, but then his eyes focuses in on Ruth. And he says, Whoa, who's the babe? I mean, wow. I mean, I know that's paraphrased, but no doubt <laughs> she caught his eye. Verse 6 says, So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered. Now it's interesting in that this unnamed servant in charge over the reapers, we see him as a type of the Holy Spirit. I mean, here is Boaz in the field, and here's the servant in charge of the reaping and the reapers, and the servant is the one who identifies the one who would ultimately be married to Boaz, just like the Holy Spirit drew you and me into the knowledge of a, of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, the servant responds to Boaz in verse 6 and says, this woman is, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Verse 7, and she said, please let me glean and gather, gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young woman. See, Boaz now gets into the act. He's curious about this gal. He sees her in the field, wants to know who she is. Servant tells him, and so Boaz makes his move. And he's very smooth. He says, oh, man, I'll tell you what. I don't want you to go in any of the other fields. You know, you, know, you just stay right here in this field and don't wander off and, and stay here and, and stay close to my young woman. Notice, not his servants or the men. You know, it doesn't say, you hang out with the men. No, you stay close to the girls. You know, keep away from the guys that are in the field. Then in verse 9 he says, Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? <laughs> Told the guys to stay away from you. I'm telling you to stay away from the guys. You just stay by the girls. He says, And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. <laughs> I like that. The water's already drawn. You don't have to go over to the well. You just, you just 
drink it for yourself whenever you're thirsty. Now, what a picture, again, of Jesus Christ. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Just drink whenever you're thirsty, Boaz says. Well, verse 10, after Boaz says these things to Ruth, it says that she fell on her face, bowed to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor or, or grace in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? I'm a stranger. I was a pagan. Man, don't you feel sometimes that way when it comes to your salvation? Lord, how is it that, that I have found grace in your eyes that you would acknowledge me as a, as a pagan, a foreigner, a stranger, or as Ruth a Moabite? You know that a Moabite was cursed for ten generations, so the Moabite could not come into the house of the Lord for ten generations. So if a guy moved uh, from Moab, he couldn't go to the temple, neither could his son or his grandson or his great-grandson or his great-great-grandson. Ten generations down before a guy could go into the tabernacle of the temple, into the congregation, they were cursed. That's why Ruth is blown away here. How could it be that, that I, a stranger, Moabite can't find, can find grace in your sight? And she, she falls to the ground totally amazed. That he would take notice of her. Boaz says, look at verse 11. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. You've come here to a people and a land that you have previously knew nothing about. And isn't that, that true for most of us? You know, when you first started coming to church, you thought, who are these people? What is going on here? What are they doing? At least I did. But somehow you were drawn in. I remember my first days at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You know, I came from Roman Catholic background. It was the, the, the Mass. It was a tradition. It was the hymns. It was the, not even the hymns. It was the Catholic songs. And, the, and the, I sit down, stand up, sit down. And I walk in and, and there's a bunch of kids and they're all sitting down and they're all raising their hands and worshiping the Lord. And there's guitars that are playing. And I'm going, what is this? But I like it. It's kind of cool, you know, and, and, and that's the same thing is going on here. And, 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 and uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to this church and this is going to be my place of worship and these are going to be my people. And he's going to be my God. And that's what, is, what, what is Boaz says that has been shown him or told him about how Ruth left her people and, and come to this place where she's at at this point. Now, in verse 11, we'll read that Boaz answered or that word translated answered is literally raised his voice. <laughs> Man, this guy was excited. He wanted everybody to hear what he thought about Ruth. And he wasn't ashamed to be identified with it. She had trusted Jehovah. She had proved her faith by cleaving to her mother-in-law and becoming a part of the people of Israel in Bethlehem. And so in verse 12, he says, The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. He says, Because you've come, you are going to be blessed. Then she said in verse 13, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. I mean, she's, she's blessed. She, she's amazed. Verse 14, Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. Or another word for vinegar would be the wine that's there. And I love this. But what is he offering her to do? Come dine with me and eat of bread and wine. Bread and wine. I mean, doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, do you see how the story is unfolding here? Boaz is a picture of Jesus Christ, the hero of our story, and he takes notices of her, uh, Ruth, the church, 
or, or, or yeah, Ruth the church, then the servant, the Holy Spirit, knew everything about her, and now she's amazed that he would be so good to allow such a privilege to her that she, she finds this grace and unmerited favor in his eyes to invite her to come and eat bread and wine, the elements of communion. The same thing that, that, that Jesus does for us, calls us to drink of the cup and eat of the bread given to us that we might remember him by and what he did for us by. Now it's interesting that as all this is going on with Ruth, we read in verse 14 that it says, so she sat beside the reapers. You know, we're, we're reapers, and we're not grim reapers. <laughs> we're, we're happy reapers. You know, and some people, some folks, they come into the church, and they don't really know that God is for them. They don't really know Christ yet, but they come, and they'll sit beside us reapers. And we have that opportunity to share with them the goodness and the kindness of our kinsman redeemer. It's amazing what God does for us. But then in verse 14 it says, And he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied, and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Whatever she wants. I mean, let her glean wherever. I mean, obviously he had a glean in his eye for her, okay? Verse 16, not only that, also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. <laughs> he says, let her glean anywhere. In fact, I want you to pick some of it and lay it down on the ground for her just to pick it up. You know, right in front of her. Now, now the reapers might have thought, you've got to be kidding. That's not fair. You know what? Grace is not fair. Grace is not fair. It's not about what you and I deserve. It's not how come she got that and I didn't. How come they got more than me? Grace has nothing to do with fair. Grace is God's unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor towards us. It's God saying, I'm going to pour out bucketfuls upon you just because I love you. But we can't take any credit for that. You can't write books about how great your great faith you saw you through or your righteous life helped you or your secret understanding of divine principles made you the way you are. We can't take any credit. It's all a matter of God's grace. And here is Boaz, a kinsman redeemer, the wealthy guy says, just pour out the barley so that she'll walk right into it. Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an epaph, an epaph, epaph of barley. That's about uh, nine liters full. So picture three and a half two-liter bottles of barley. So that's, that's quite a bit. See, Boaz giving Ruth an ephah of barley was the first fruits of all that Boaz would do in the future, just as the Holy Spirit within us is the first fruits of all that God has promised to us. Romans 8.23 tells us, We also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown with ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption and the redemption of our body. Verse 18 she takes the barley, she says, Then she took it up and went to the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. No, no doubt, you know, her mother-in-law Naomi is going, What is going on here? I mean, she sees all that she's bringing home, and how is this possible? In verse 19, And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today, and where did you work? Where did you get all of this? This is amazing. Whoa, where did you glean today? I like that. It's interesting. I used to have a friend that would ask, whenever I would see him, where have you gleaned today? Well, not, not so many words. He would say, what has God shown you today? Where, where have you gleaned today? What have you read today? And never, whenever I would see this guy, man, I would always want to have something to share because I knew that he was going to ask. 
Let me tell you, if you glean from the Word of God every single day, it's going to be evident in your life, like Naomi noticing it in Unruh. Man, where did you glean today? Man, your, your face is glowing. Man, you've been in the presence of the Lord. So Naomi says, where have you gleaned today and where did you work? Verse 19, blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her, her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I have worked today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord. Now this is coming from the, the same woman who said, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter because God dealt with me harshly. Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Or in the King James, This man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Naomi realizes that Boaz is related to her. He can, he can be the kinsman redeemer. So she had lost track of Boaz and forgot all about him. Didn't know if he was dead or alive because it's been more than ten years and and, and she realized, whoa, I know this guy. He's a good, he's my relative. Verse 21. Ruth the Moabite said, he also said to me, you shall stay close by my young men until they've finished all my harvest. Wait a minute. What did Boaz say? He said, keep close to the young women. <laughs> what, what does Ruth say? He said, keep close to my young men. Now, I, I find that a little bit funny because I think that can happen sometimes in church. Sometimes, Someone will say, some guy will say, God's called me to a ministry to minister to this sister in the Lord over here. God's touched my heart to minister to this guy. Are you sure it wasn't you leading you to do that? No, it was God. It was God. Look at verse 22. Wise Naomi knew better. She says, and Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with, with who? <laughs> with this young woman. And that people do not meet you in any other field. Don't you just love this mother-in-law? She knew. This Jewish man. No, no, no. You don't want to do this. You need to stay with the woman. You know, we got to work this together. You know, this is going to work out for you. It's great. It's special. You need to keep away from the young men. Those guys are bad. Stick with the, with the young gals. The young woman right now, listen to your mother-in-law. Well, she knew what was up. Verse 23. So she stayed close by the young woman of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. She listened to mom, stayed by the young woman, took in this huge harvest, and, and, and the love story really begins. And, 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 I, and I, you know, I wanted to go to, to the next chapter, but we're going to save that for next week. But that really is when we're going to get into the kinsman redeemer and, and the love story and how God brings it about. And, and uh, you guys are going to be blessed. And so with that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, uh, so much in this is a picture of how much you love us and then your grace. I mean, just seeing Boaz pour out all this barley and, and weed, all, the, all this, it's just right before, just flowing in front of her, Lord. And, and we recognize how much grace you've given to us. Yes, we've blown it. We don't deserve it. Nothing we can do to earn it. It's all because of your love for us, Lord, that you just pour out your grace. We thank you, Lord, for calling us, Lord. We thank you for opening up our eyes, Lord, and helping us to see you, Lord, and, and, and your spirit working in our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, for, for the church that we're at, Lord, where, where we can worship you together, Lord, and, and freely and be blessed in that way, just as... as uh, uh, Ruth was, Lord, as well. 
We thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts. We pray, Lord, that you'd uh, just bless the remainder of our night tonight, Lord. Um, I know it's short, Lord. Help us to have just a good fellowship time afterwards as we hang out a little bit. And uh, just praise you for your word and for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.